Our text today is from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 and 7 through 10, and I'll be reading from the message paraphrase. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you're badly deceived. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us and the community of faith. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I asked my Facebook friends to name some iconic friendships from movies and TVs and books and cartoons and even real life, and they didn't disappoint. They gave me a long list of friendships, and perhaps some of these will ring a bell for you. Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, David and Jonathan in the Bible, Harry, Hermione, and Ron in the Harry Potter series, and honorable mention Neville Longbottom. George and Lenny from Of Mice and Men. DJ Tanner and Kimmy Gibbler from Full House. Johnny Quest and Haji. And then Thelma Louise and Calvin and Hobbes. George Bush and Michelle Obama. Laverne and Shirley and their neighbors, Lenny and Squiggy. Lucy and Ethel. Frodo and Sam. And so many others that I don't have time to mention. As you can see, examples of iconic friendships are plentiful and varied. We resonate with different friendships for different reasons, but often it's because we see something in those relationships that we long for in our own. Now, maybe we don't want to drive off the side of the Grand Canyon after committing a bunch of crimes like Thelma and Louise, but perhaps we really do want a friend who loves us and who stays by our side no matter what. The other question I asked on Facebook was, what creates a healthy friendship. And here are some of those responses in order of frequency mentioned. The number one mentioned was trust, honesty, loyalty through the ups and downs, being real without fear of rejection or safe to be vulnerable, supportive yet willing to call you out in love, good communication, tolerance of each other's weaknesses, shared life experiences and interests, mutual support and mutual respect and laughter. We all need a friend. It's why friendship is the theme of countless books and movies and TV shows and songs and why we resonate so deeply with those stories. During our current sermon series, Bloom, Cultivating Life-Giving Relationships, 
We've been talking about how God is a relational God who knitted us together for relationships with God and with each other. And when those relationships are healthy, they're life-giving. But when they're unhealthy, they can be life-draining. And we've all experienced both kinds of friendships. And if we're honest, there's times when we've been both kinds of friends. Cultivating healthy friendships takes work. Harvesting good friendships takes time and sacrifice. Our late pastor Doyle Sager often shared lessons from the farm where he grew up in Albany, Missouri. And he once spoke about harvesting, stating that the law of the harvest goes like this. Number one, we harvest the same as we sow. A farmer would never plant corn and expect wheat to crop up. Number two, we harvest more than we sow. And I learned this the hard way last year when I planted one little zucchini plant and was soon overwhelmed. And the third is that we harvest later than we sow. We have to plant before we can expect a harvest. Purchasing and planting seed isn't an expense, it's an investment in what is to come. Ultimately, the law of the harvest is this, we reap what we sow. What we plant now impacts what blooms tomorrow. Whether we're talking about corn or zucchini, roses or relationships, the law of the harvest applies. The Apostle Paul knew this law and he reminded the believers in the town of Galatia about this law in his letter to them, the letter where our text comes from today. And while we call it a book in our Bible, Galatians is really an epistle, which means a letter. In this case, it's a letter from the Apostle Paul to Jesus' believers in the city of Galatia. Paul had planted the church, had taught them in the ways of Christ, and had moved on to do the same in new cities. And after Paul would leave, it was common for false teachers and sometimes intentional instigators to come in behind him and counter some of the things that Paul had been teaching, and it often confused the new Christians. Word would eventually get to Paul, whether through reports or from letters from those confused Christians asking Paul what was truth. And that's the context for our letter today. In his letter to the Galatians, we learn one of the main issues happening in the, is whether that non-Jewish believers, called Gentiles, needed to follow all the same laws and rituals of the Jewish believers. Paul said, no. The instigator said, yes. And Paul, with passion and with some anger as well, reiterates in his letter what he has been saying since he was forever changed by his encounter with Christ, that only faith in Christ can save. Laws cannot save. Behaviors and rituals are not the remedy for sin. Paul knows his righteousness, his goodness, comes not from his Jewishness or his adherence to Jewish law. It comes only as a free gift from God, from Christ for all who believe. To add any other conditions or litmus tests to salvation completely voided the gospel message of grace and excluded what God meant to include. And Paul would not tolerate it. Paul wanted the Galatians to grab hold of their freedom in Christ, living no longer shackled to the law. But this freedom... A generous gift from God did not mean that they were no longer bound to anything. Paul says that as people of the Spirit, as Christ followers, they were no longer bound to the law, but now they were bound to Christ 
and to one another in love. Freedom in Christ brings responsibility for the welfare of others, and it's how we fulfill the law of Christ, the law of love. Our text today focuses on what it means to be bound to one another in love, particularly in the sharing of burdens and working for the good of all. A few years ago, I heard author Jen Hatmaker speak at a conference, and she told a very moving story that I think of often. Her friend Nicole Nordeman sent her this picture and a story, a story about female elephants. You know how all good stories begin. In the wild, when a mama elephant is giving birth, all the other female elephants in the herd back around her in formation. They close ranks so that the delivering mama cannot even be seen in the middle. They stomp and they kick up dirt and soil to throw attackers off the scent. And they basically act like a bunch of crazies. They surround the mama and the incoming baby in protection, sending a clear signal to predators that if they want to attack their friend while she's vulnerable, they're going to have to get through 40 tons of female aggression. So I say, good luck with that. When the baby elephant is delivered, the sister elephants do two things. They first kick sand or dirt over the newborn to protect its fragile skin from the sun. And then they all start trumpeting, a female celebration of new life, of sisterhood, of something beautiful being born in a harsh, wild world despite enemies and predators and all odds. Now, scientists tell us that female elephants normally take this formation in only two cases, under attack by predators like lions or during the birth of a new elephant. Now, after sharing this story, Jen said, this is what we do, girls. When our sisters are vulnerable, when they are giving birth to new life and new ideas, when they are under attack, when they need their people to surround them so they can create and heal and recover, we get information. We close ranks and literally have each other's backs. And when delivery comes, when new life makes its entrance, when healing finally begins, when the night has passed and our friend is ready to rise back up, we sound our trumpets because we saw it through together. We celebrate, we cheer, we give thanks. This is what Paul is calling the Galatians to do with one another, to close ranks around the vulnerable, the fallen, the hurting, the oppressed, but not close ranks against them. Paul says that where there is brokenness in others and in relationships, restoration happens through bearing burdens together. In verse two, he says, stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you're badly deceived. We're also reminded in another part of scripture in Ecclesiastes 4 about the value of relationships and sharing burdens where it reads, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. A herd of female elephants is not quickly broken. 
A friendship among those free in Christ is not quickly broken. When I ask people on Facebook about what creates a healthy relationship, the most frequent responses were honesty, loyalty through all the ups and downs, a relationship that is safe to be vulnerable and real without fear of rejection. Mindy Callagher writes, when a friendship is going beyond ordinary levels of intimacy and moving into more spiritual territory, two areas become important to share with a soul friend. Our areas of struggle, and even more specifically, our areas of wrongdoing. Soul friends share the joys of life as well as the struggles, and their ability to both divulge and respond to a confession opens the door to radical transformation. We all long for these kinds of friendships, a herd that will surround us when we are birthing new things, cheering us on, a herd that will surround us when we're wounded and needing support and healing, a herd that will surround us when our struggles are of our own making. We need these kinds of friends, and we also need to be these kinds of friends. You see, when the elephants form the circle, the elephant in the center of the circle is not always the same elephant. When they are in need, they are. But when they are not, they join the outer circle to cheer on the sister who is now in need of celebration or to kick up the dirt for the sister now in need of care. Sharing in each other's burdens means that sometimes we are in the circle and sometimes we are the circle. Sometimes we are sowing love, sometimes we are receiving love. And we all need to experience both places, yet some of us desperately avoid being in the center, afraid of being needy or a burden. And some of us camp out in the center, laying down and refusing to get back up or to own our part of our healing. If we always are sowing love, but never receiving it, we miss out on the life-giving relationships that God has for us. And if we are always receiving love but never sowing it, we miss out on those relationships too. This is the law of the harvest. See, friendships are gifts because it is in the company with good friends that we become good people. None of us learns to love or to share or to be kind or considerate we acquire these virtues in partnership with others who are seeking them with us, and together we bloom. In my own friendships, I've learned I tend to want to get lost in that outer circle, to vanish a bit, avoiding at all cost being in the center, the one in need. See, there's a lie that so many of us believe that to be in need is to be a burden. And I'm really grateful that God has gifted me with some beloved friends who have taught me otherwise over the years. They've taught me as I've watched them sow love and receive love and their relationships with others. And I've learned by how they've sown love into me. Sometimes kicking me out of the circle to the middle when I won't move there myself. What a gift to be able to receive love. And what a gift to be able to sow love into them as well. Paul says your freedom in Christ, this generous gift that God has given you, 
It's not a license to live however you please. God has set you free from sin and the law so that you might be free to be loved and to love, to be fully known and secure in God's love for you and to love others empowered by God's spirit alive in you. This is the law of Christ. This law of self-sacrificial love sourced by God's spirit in us and his love for us. And it is a holy investment that will reap the kinds of life-giving relationships that God dreams for each of us. Join me as we pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift of love from you. To be set free from our own efforts and works knowing that those are still a part of us, they are a reflection of love, but they are not what save us. That your grace, your mercy, your love for us and our belief in you is what saves us. God, we pray that you will remind us today as we hear this reminder from Paul that what it means to be a true friend, to truly love, to share each other's burdens, and to be a part of working for good for all. God, we pray for those parts of our lives where friendships are troubled, where we need your guidance and your wisdom and your correction. That we know sometimes we've not been the best of friend to others. And that we also know that sometimes there's friendships that are there for a season and that we need help letting them go. God, we pray for your guidance, your spirit in each of those relationships. God, we pray that you'll help us to circle around one another, to surround each other in love, to celebrate with one another, to share burdens together, and to do so all through your spirit that empowers us. We pray this in your name. Amen.